welcome to Smart Mind Wine Wellness Podcast, hosted by me, Christine Fitzgerald, a certified nutritionist, award-winning gymnast, and creator of Smart Mind, the first guilt-free wine that lets you unwind without undoing all of your hard-earned efforts in the health and fitness goals that you've been trying to achieve. You're welcome. This podcast is for the person who wants it all, a satisfying glass of wine, healthy body, and an active social life. And I'm here to tell you it's all possible. And I'm 100% with you, which is why this will be your favorite podcast guaranteed. When it comes to wine, know that it's not what you think it is. It's not just grapes. Most of the time it contains chemicals, fillers, added sugars, and it's not even vegan. Learn from myself and experts in the wine industry. They'll reveal what really goes on in the cellar and what's lurking in your wine. Smart Vine Wine and Wellness Podcast, I'm telling you, it's blowing the roof off and busting myths in the wine industry. From a wellness standpoint, I've worked with thousands of clients for over 20 years, so I know what works and what doesn't. You'll get personalized and proven wellness tips and tricks that are truly timeless. No fads, no gimmicks. I'll help keep you on track for your health goals with that glass of wine in hand, I promise. You may be wondering, why a nutritious creative wine? I may even be a bit surprised that I approve of the wine while on any diet, even keto. Hello and welcome. I am so excited to introduce Michaela Stockbridge of Fertility Coaching. We had an incredible conversation that I know will enlighten you on many levels when it comes to conception and just regaining fertility, life after birth control, being an advocate for yourself and your baby, and knowing that conceiving is possible. There are so many options and not to give up hope. I was just truly inspired by Michaela and I know you will be too. Please subscribe to the podcast by going to our website, smartvinewine.com. We would love for you to continue to listen to all the wonderful insights that we have with nutrition, with a glass of wine in hand. Thank you and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Smart Mind Wine and Wellness Podcast. I am so excited to have Michaela with us today. We are going to be talking about everything fertility and so much more because fertility is not a simple thing <laughs> on any level whatsoever. So, Michaela, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm really excited to um, have our little chat and to get to know you more as well. Absolutely. So Michaela, can you tell me a little bit why you even thought about going into this field? Because like I said, it's not simple uh, by any means. So what said Michaela tapping on the shoulder, this would be good for you to help other people with. How did that start? Well, it started really um, with my own hormonal health crisis. I think we've all kind of been through something similar where our health is just not exactly where we want it to be. Um, so I started, you know, really using myself as kind of a guinea pig to try some things out, see how optimal I could actually get my hormones and how it would improve my menstrual cycle, um, improve the length of it, how long my um, different phases of my menstrual cycle could be. And I just kept tweaking it um, and charting along with nutrition just to just to 
get the results that I wanted. Um, eventually it kind of snowballed. And when I was thinking about what kind of a career I should pursue, that's all I wanted to do. I mean, mm. you just know when something's on your heart and you have to pursue it. That was the only thing I could think of that I wanted to spend my time doing was helping others to get the same results, to troubleshoot their own menstrual cycles, to gain back their fertility, and really to just empower women to um, take their health into their own hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, me being a nutritionist for the past 20 plus years, same type of thing. It really is empowering women and saying, hey, you know your body. You really do. You have to live in it every single day and biohacking it basically because it's going to continually change, but also sticking with it because as we know, when we're doing self-exploration, I guess is the term to use, it's not easy. Things are constantly changing and you have to be diligent, right? The compound effect of being diligent every day and tracking and monitoring and really checking in with yourself and which you agree, it sounds like that's what you're explaining to the listeners. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's really just mindfulness about what your own body is experiencing on all levels um, with hormonal health. And, you know, I people often use either paper or an app to log it all. And so you can just look at it all in one place and see how you're improving, where your body needs work and really just like trusting your own body and believing your own body about the symptoms you're experiencing is so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And is there a big takeaway that you can give our listeners about your journey just in general, what maybe you're thankful for or that you are really happy you learned or something you helped somebody to realize about their body? I am thankful that I kept trying and kept researching mm -hmm that I never um, gave up because I knew it wasn't a quick fix. I knew it could take a while, um, you know, getting off of hormonal birth control and trying to regain my own fertility back. But I kept at it and I continued to advocate for myself, whether it be at my doctor's office to get the blood work that I wanted or um, to be treated in the way I wanted to be treated, just to continually um, work on ourselves and keep growing and keep, you know, knocking until we receive exactly the right answer because it is out there. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And I think that people would absolutely know it, right? People say, well, how do I know it's the right answer? Well, you'll feel it, you'll know it because you're going to be at a different level of awareness once you go through these different steps, either if it's with you or their own journey until they get to working with someone like you, correct? Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Is there anything that you would tell a woman that has been wanting to get pregnant for the last, I'd say maybe three years, three to five years, and just has lost hope before they even work with you? Kind of what's your message to women that are trying to have children that are struggling? I guess, <clears throat> excuse me, my message would really be that we have to take the messages from society, what they've told us about fertility and health and kind of unlearn some things and go through mm. a path of relearning mm -hmm. so that we can, we can go enter into the space with an open mind and really um, 
just explore some new ideas, take in some new information, whether it's about nutrition um, or supplements or whatever it might be, but just start from the ground up and see where the journey takes us because likely there's been a lot of things that I could suggest that they haven't tried yet. So it's good to um, give it a really thorough chance to work on their body. And um, I really listen to the person who I'm working with just to be sure that they're feeling optimal on whatever treatment method we decide on mm-hmm. and that they're a great active participant in their healthcare. That's, that's really important to me. So yeah, that's what I would tell someone just starting out is to um, just be really mindful about everything that is going on in the body and give everything a, a new chance. Mm, I love that. Give everything a new chance. I think that's absolutely powerful because having a child is a whole new experience for women that obviously haven't had children before, right? So you have to think differently, walk differently, you know, try different modalities if this is something that's been a concern. And that goes back to what you said, being an active participant in your healthcare. We're so used to saying, okay, well, I have this ache or pain or I'm bloated or whatever. I'll just give my, you know, doctor a call or I'll go to the local health food store. And that is being an active participant to some degree, but there's always some layers underneath there, especially when it comes to the biology of the body of, you know, what's either allowing you to naturally conceive or not, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's, I've found in my experience, a level of burnout that can start to happen when this journey has been longer than someone anticipated. Mm. So sometimes it's a balancing act to decide what they want to spend their resources on and their time on. Exactly. But it's, it's always benefited everyone I've ever worked with to give the modalities a chance to work on their body. It, it all adds up. Mm-hmm. So how many families do you think that you've helped so far? Do you have an idea of how many babies you've helped create? <laughs> so I have been in practice just a little over a year. So, um, so far four babies. Oh, so, um, yeah, I've worked with countless families, whether it was doing my longer program, working with them for 90 days or more, or, um, less than that if it was just like a you know just a few visits to kind of make sure what they were already doing was the right path for their body so Mm. yeah there's been I I can't really even put a number on it there's been a lot of people that have reached out to me um that I've you know either taught fertility awareness to or really gotten into the nitty-gritty of their fertility with And that was one of the questions that I was going to ask you. I think you circled back to something really important is where people are at with that fertility awareness. For example, why would someone seek you or know to seek you? You know, usually we talk about some of these things towards the end, you know, we're wrapping up how to contact you, et cetera. But I think it's important to talk about it now. So the listeners have an idea of, you know, okay, so wait, I'm not supposed to talk to my doctor. Or wait, should I talk to my doctor and connect with Michaela? Like, what's the, how do they know? And um, other questions that they should be asking themselves or their doctor before they kind of move to combine the two of you or just work with you? How does that transpire? So I really like when someone can come to me with, you know, plenty of blood work history, plenty of 
things they've tried, things they've done, where they're at in their fertility treatments, if they're pursuing them yet. Um, and then I love to see someone's cycles that they've charted for at least 90 days before they work with me is, is really helpful. It's definitely not a case where I wouldn't take someone on if they didn't have that course, but it's, um, it kind of gives us a jump start into what their bodies are doing right now and where we can shift things. So it's, um, probably best if someone started their process already of getting whatever test results they can get. Okay. And do you, I think about when, as a nutritionist, I usually need to tell people what they need to get tested just because there's so many different tests at the doctor's office. And sometimes we're just saying, you know, just given, sorry, the tests that they think that we should get, but maybe there's a deeper question to be asked or a deeper lab report, I guess I can say that you would need to take. So for example, if I had someone get a thyroid panel, well, there's many, many facets to a thyroid, but most of the time insurance will just cover TSH. But what about the other pieces of the thyroid that you're leaving out? I'm not getting the whole picture. So is it something where someone would set up kind of a free consultation with you or shoot you an email and say, okay, I'm going to go to my doctor. Can you advise me on what specific testings you'd like me to get done? Yes, absolutely. That's a major component of what I do is help them to advocate for themselves to their doctors to actually get the right lab work. Um, because that is so important, getting a total picture, especially with the thyroid and the various hormones, make sure that we get the right, either whether it's blood or saliva or urine for various things, because that can all make such a huge impact into where we can detect any issues if we don't have the right, um, the right test. We, it might go under the radar. We might not realize what is off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I found that with my nutrition clients as well. I mean, testing is just so important. And yes, you have to make sure that the correct tests or again, you're not getting the whole picture. So people feel like, well, it's really me. Something's wrong with me or that whole mental dialogue. I'm sure you hear that I'm just not meant to have children or, you know, how come my sister has four children, but I can't conceive or this whole mental depression almost starts to happen of guilt and shame, and then it just makes the whole process even worse. But it's just because the right testing wasn't done. You know, they keep being told they're normal, you know, nothing's wrong. And then they think, well, now what? Yeah, that's exactly it. They, they think they just keep getting this message of unexplained infertility from their doctor when, I mean, we know there's something off. There's mm -hmm. something that's preventing conception. So really digging up all of that, um, using the different testing resources that I have in my back pocket that they can get from their doctor is, is so vital. And it really helps to, you know, just find some answers, put some titles on some things so that we can really dig into those things as the root cause, because the root cause is so vitally important to fixing the big issue. And this goes for both parties involved, right? The husband and the wife or the partners, whoever it is, right? You're testing both of them because it's a, a couple's deal or how do you go about that? Yeah, that's really important. Some um, husbands can be 
you know, a little bit, um, they, they don't want to commit to all the various procedures and testing they might have to do. <clears throat> so I can totally understand where they come, come from, but really it's about not putting all of the emotional and physical labor on the wife in the scenario or the woman in the scenario and making sure that every, that all aspects are looked at equally so that one partner doesn't end up really burnt out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would think that no matter what, you got to be in this together. I mean, this is just the beginning, right? <laughs> I mean, you have a whole lifetime with a child and this is where the two of you would really need to come together and say, okay, I'm on the same team here. I'm willing to do 100% and 100%, not 50% and 100%. I think that at least from what I've known, which is very little about fertility, but in the way that when I talk to different clients that are trying to get pregnant, it's, you know, it feels like the woman's taking on a huge burden because she's the one carrying the child, right? But it really is for both. You get a test, you get a test. You go to the doctor's office, you go with me. You talk with Michaela, we both talk to Michaela. <laughs> That's what I would think that a or two partnership from the start would make this process so much more loving and compassionate. Yeah, it really does. I mean, the times that I've worked with um, both partners versus just one partner has been so much more productive. And honestly, people have remarked about how much it benefited their marriage to be connected like that, to mm -hmm. both be working with me and to both be, you know, in the trenches of battling this, this thing together, because otherwise it, it already feels so isolating. Um, there's already so much stigma out there, limited resources. So to at least have a us against the world mentality when when battling this is just so vitally important. Absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, you're just a wealth of knowledge and resources. Why do you think that in general people struggle with fertility in this day and age? What has been the kind of the common theme that you're hearing or seeing or that families are struggling with when it comes to conception? Well, I think there's so many layers to it, but um, I'm noticing a lot of thyroid issues. Mm. Um, that really impacts the hormones greatly. And then I notice a lot of dysbiosis in the gut. Mm. So, um, the body seems to not like to fight a gut infection and get pregnant. Right. So that's really where I start is looking at the thyroid, looking at the gut, looking at, um, you know, the other glandular systems in the body and being sure that they're all functioning properly. I think we're also inundated with pesticides and the food has been, changed to where our bodies don't recognize it. And so sometimes we can get some immune responses from just putting substances into our body that our body doesn't love to process. So we just kind of, I, I'm mindful not to um, cause too much restriction for someone because I know healing diets can often be really restrictive, but looking at what foods could be causing inflammation in their own systems and kind of just adapting their nutrition and their supplements to tackle that specific source of inflammation has been really helpful. 
I think that's so powerful what you just said. I mean, you're speaking my language that, for example, someone might come in for weight loss, but they're not going to lose weight until they fix the gut issue. Yeah, that's exactly has to be fed, right. Exactly. And the fact that, you know, over 80% of the thyroid conversion happens in the liver. Well, your thyroid's not going to work if your liver's all gunked up with all the stuff that's in the environment and what you're eating. So, you know, eating those clean, healthy, organic foods, and I would love for you to give us an idea of what that healing diet looks like, not the whole thing, but just an example to really target the different glands that are going to help give you the best vessel possible for the child. I mean, that's what you want to do. You want them to have the best ability possible to be incredible human beings. And it starts with your foundation and what that looks like. So that's, I have the two questions there. One is what's your healing diet look like? And then also how far in advance before someone's trying to get pregnant, would you start this whole process? What, what's ideal? So many times naturopaths will, sorry, I'm going to answer the second question really quick. Sure, go um, for it. Naturopaths say that three years can make a huge difference in preparing to carry a child in a healthy manner. Um, I say that if you can really devote even six months is so beneficial. Um, so yeah, just preparing the body, maybe even getting some lab work just to make sure that your new nutrient levels are all where they need to be because we know pregnancy can be uh, hard on the body and deplete those a little bit when a baby needs so much to grow. So, and then a healing diet, um, I noticed that most people I work with are intolerant to gluten right off the bat. So I really put a big focus on avoiding pesticides, um, really high quality pasture-raised meat if they're eating meat, um, and then really healthy fat sources so we don't encourage any inflammation in the body, but rather the, the hormones are able to take all those healthy fats and use them to build everything that they need to function properly. So those are like the foundations. And then I love to use various sources of prebiotic fiber to mm. correct the dysbiosis. That's probably the easiest way, but also my favorite way because it works right. uh, when you're committed to it. For a while, you can kind of help your body go back into alignment uh, on its own just by choosing the right fibers. Mm -hmm. So what would be the sped up version? I love all of that. Again, speaking my language, I absolutely would do all of that with my clients completely on your train. What if someone was pregnant, you know, they had a child, I guess, but they're having trouble having a second one or a third one, you know, after they've had the first one and they're, you know, they want to get pregnant a lot sooner. They think, oh, the first time it was easy or, you know, they don't have three years, I guess. So you said six months, but is there any difference in, I guess my question is, is there any difference in if someone's never been pregnant versus someone getting pregnant again, would you give them the same protocol or do you specifically just work with clients that are saying, you know, I would love to get pregnant for the first time. I've had, you know, an abortion or I've had a miscarriage or never been pregnant before. This is what I want. Is that your focus? 
I have worked with people who have um, secondary infertility before. It's kind of been 50-50. So whether someone's had a child already or sometimes there was, um, they had a child, you know, 10 years ago and now they're in a new marriage and they want to have children with their new husband. So it's really been a great blend of all of that. I often, I do really customize treatment plans for everybody. I mean, it's, it's so far from one size fits all. I really like to take into account just any foods that are causing a reaction or an immune response in their own body. So various forms of testing can reveal that. And that's usually what I go off of as far as nutrition response or yeah, nutrition treatment plans. Uh, just to be sure that it's all custom. It's not um, the same exact thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're all very different, right? And it also depends on, well, there's many factors, but a woman's age as well. You know, personally, my parents were asking me if I was going to give them a grandchild when I was 18. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, just because you had ch- me at 18 doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, <laughs> try to produce a child at 18. I was of the mindset I need to get a master's degree. I need to, you know, grow up and have a house. And I had a very different idea of what it meant to be ready to be married and have a child. So I didn't have my first child until I was 38. I'm 40 now. And she's just about to turn two in a couple of months. So I was a little fearful going into it, but everything turned out okay. But I when I say fearful, I felt like when I was going through the medical community, I did both alternative and medical, that there was a lot of fear-based speaking, especially around my age. You know, there was a lot more testing that they wanted to do. And I'm sure you're running into that with women that are maybe a little bit older and speaking to that and kind of being shied away from in the medical community. I felt like, well, you're too old or, you know, the child's going to be disabled or, you know, we have to do all these genetic tests. And I understand they're kind of looking after their own butts, if I can speak freely. But at the same time, it put a lot of, I think, unnecessary fear into my husband and I, who are very healthy and very excited and like, let's do this. Absolutely. I um, find that too. And just the source of stress with someone experiencing infertility uh And when there's age factors related and there's fear mongering from their medical professionals, it's a whole nother layer of complication. It's so hard to navigate when they're already so stressed about not conceiving yet to have to put themselves on a timeline is really stressful and impactful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then randomly, you know, you hear of a movie star, whatever at 50, having a child, it's such a backwards society having gone through it and said, okay, I really don't like what I'm hearing. Like, I understand what you're doing, but what about the faith in the partners or educating them about nutrition or saying you can do this or building confidence or personal development? I mean, this is all, it's a mind game, right? It's so mental and so emotional and you're already getting so much feedback from your family. Like I was talking about my parents, I almost felt like a failure having not giving them this expected grandchild, you know, years and years ago. And would I ever be able to conceive as I got older because of, you know, well, only the young can conceive. And 
I'm hoping that in your program that you can speak to this about how you can also empower the couple and kind of change that mind frame. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, really, your baby is as healthy as as you are. You can you can tweak anything you want to tweak and change it. Uh, you can change your nutrient levels. You can you can do so much. You can take back so much control over your own hormones. And we really don't have to put people on this stressful timeline, but rather we can empower them to kind of know that they can meet their own goals in their own skin, in their own time. And that is really important because stress can be one of the biggest endocrine disruptors there is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So following that kind of line of thinking, once let's say someone does get pregnant, you've had these four beautiful babies born. Do you help the families afterwards as far as with just the woman's nutrition and kind of rebuilding her body and, you know, getting her brain back and, you know, all the good stuff that comes along with after having a child that we feel like we need to repair? Or are you more focused on just the initial getting the body healthy, the conception, and then afterwards, do you refer out or do the women still have contact with you? How does that work? So we still definitely have contact. Um, I love to go and visit when we're not in a mm. pandemic, but <laughs> to visit and stay in touch and help them advocate for your bodies and, you know, educate on breastfeeding help if they need or mm. the, for them to know their birth choices, for them to manage any pregnancy symptoms they have. All of that. I've, I've wow. done all. We've um, had, you know, awesome results. And I really work closely with my midwife who helped deliver my second baby. And she often will refer to me and I refer to her whenever there's something that one of us doesn't know. So between the two of us, we kind of have it, have it covered. So we love to work together. That's wonderful. I was going to ask you about the, the type of resources that you have, because I know every family is going to be different, what their needs are. And it sounds like you do have those resources to tap into, which is fantastic because of course it takes a village to raise a child, but also to have one conceived as well. We don't realize that, but it takes a village on both sides. So I think that that's absolutely beautiful and that you help women all the way through that birthing process. I went through the Bradley method with my husband and it was really powerful for us to be able to be with like-minded people and to understand everything that was entailed on kind of the alternative side, but also knowing what our options were. Like, for example, I went to a birthing center. I mean, you had a midwife. I went to a birthing center and I timed out at the birthing center, which I don't even know is possible. I mean, these midwives have delivered, I think it was over a thousand babies in this location. <laughs> and here I was timing out at this birthing center. So they had to call, you know, the closest hospital and they were running down the street because it was like two blocks over. And then I was in the car and racing over there and wheeled in like a movie and up to, <laughs> I was just, so I had both worlds. I, the birthing center, which we were 100% for, but then ended up having to go to the hospital so blessed though, that I was able to give birth naturally, but I was able to see both worlds in a very short period of time and understand all the different choices and all the different questions that come up that I would have never been able to do 
with my first child without somebody's help or you know, a program like the Bradley method that could help answer those questions in those types of situations. Yeah, that is so true. It's really important to just know everything you're presented with and, and to utilize those resources when we need, because I mean, I, my first daughter was born, my only daughter, but my first was born at um, 27 weeks. Mm. So, so we really, got the whole runaround of, you know, everything we could have access to both natural and in the modern medical community. And when it can save your life, when it can help you achieve your goals, I mean, that's exactly what it's there for. And, and you're so grateful to have all of the tools in your back pocket. Right. And that was just a testament to what you said. Absolutely. Because I'm glad that we just didn't go to the doctor because there was so much that I learned on the other side, you know, just the different forms of vitamins they give the babies, um, you know, the environment I wanted to give birth in, the positions, I mean, all these different things that you just don't think about when it comes to just the birthing section from what I'm speaking to right now. But it's was so much better to be empowered, I guess, to not only understand what was happening, but to be able to answer the questions and have choices because we were educated on both sides. Yes, that's so powerful right there, just to be educated on all sides and, and know, uh, have informed consent on everything involved. And then there's no fear and there's not shame that anyone can strike into you because you know your options and you can utilize them when the time is right or if the time is right. And it's, it's best for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So is there anything about your personal birthing experience that you would like to share that you feel comfortable with to the listeners that you feel might help someone on their journey that we tuning in? So I uh, had a 27 week micro preemie. She was born at one pound, 15 ounces. Um, she was four and a half now. Yeah, she's, she was very, very tiny, but she's doing great now. And so really starting with that experience, I mean, our journey to parenthood was pretty heavy and difficult, but, um, you know, raising her and advocating for her and doing everything we felt was right. I guess just listen to your intuition is the biggest thing. I I just knew so many times the best answer, even when she was in the NICU, uh, you, you just really can be guided by your own intuition so much and working with those doctors side by side to advocate for your baby is so important. And then with my second, I planned a home birth because I felt that was the best option for my body. Um, I ended up transferring to the hospital after a very long labor. So I can definitely feel you on the hospital <laughs> transfer thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and just knowing, I mean, I just felt such a sense of safety once I, I, I knew it was time to go. I knew we had given it a really good go, and I was really tired. Mm -hmm. And so just trusting my own body and trusting, having a care provider that you can trust explicitly with your own life and the life of your child is so important. So if you're getting those red flags with your care provider or you're not entirely happy, you can switch at 
any point. Mm -hmm. You can, you have full control over your own self. If you don't want to consent to different procedures or different examinations, you do not have to. You just don't. So really taking control of my own body. I didn't want anyone to touch my baby after he was born. Mm. So I told everyone in the room, I was like, when he's born, I will pull my own baby up and put him on my chest. Wow. I wanted to first. And that felt really empowering for me because because so much of that was ripped away from me with my first because she was a preemie, because I had a C-section, that to get that opportunity with a full-term healthy baby was so healing. And I really got to have it a little bit more my way compared mm. to what it was before. So that felt really good. That's so amazing to be able to stand in your power and say, this is my experience. This is my baby. This is what the process is going to be. And you will respect it, you know, yeah. and, but that's part of, you know, being a mother, right? I think that that's that confidence of having your child's back and their safety and, you know, being the mama bear before you're the mama on so many different levels. And you have to build that for yourself, that self-confidence and you have your own back and you know how important you are before you have a child. I think that inner work is so important to be done. And yes, children teach us. And yes, it seems like automatic you're a mama bear. I mean, your child will be in a situation and it just comes out, right? It's just part of who we are. But at the same time, I think it's so much better on so many levels when you build that for yourself first than to be able to advocate. Like you said, they're right there in the delivery room. And I just want to just stop and acknowledge you for that because I think that it's just so huge. We kind of talk about our experiences and gloss over, but it's such a moment to stop and say, you know, this is pretty amazing and we need to pay attention to this and it's important for all women to look at that. Yeah, that's so true. And that really begins preconception. You know, if they don't want an examination or procedure, it's okay to decline. You know, it's, it's totally okay. If you don't need it, you don't need it. And that is a great way to begin that process of advocating for yourself. And there's really a sense of calmness that just comes over you where you're just no longer nervous anymore. When you're advocating to your, for yourself with doctors, it is what you say it is. And that is totally okay. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that too, because I think there's a lot of fear that comes up with second guessing ourselves. Like, are we doing something to harm the baby if we say no? And all the what ifs. Yeah, that can be very challenging to navigate. Uh, I really believe that our intuition knows and there are things in place, you know, bad things do happen. And that's why we have so many different things we can take advantage of to, you know, prevent illnesses. And my midwife has a saying, she always says, get the test or the screening or whatever it might be when it will change what you do. Mm. That if, if something is going to be out of your control and you can't change it anyways, and it's going to cause more stress than good, then sometimes it's better to not know. But if it'll change what you do, change how you handle things, then then get the test. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And we felt that too when we were being told to do this test and this test and having to sign paperwork that said that we're declining it, you know, so that they don't get in trouble for not telling us about the test that they thought that we needed <laughs> that we didn't accept. It's a good position to be in. It really is at that time to understand exactly what she was saying. It's going to be okay and you'll know what's right and what's not just what you don't need to do or is it just playing into the fear of again what could happen what if all of that if i don't yeah exactly and really fear never benefited and i mean healthy fears to an extent are great but fear and stress and paranoia about what the future brings uh in regards to our bodies and our babies doesn't benefit anyone. Of course, there's going to be challenges along the way, but just approaching it with curiosity, with an open mind. And when, when problems or things come up, we change course and we adapt. And that's the beautiful things about human beings is we're so adaptable. Absolutely. I mean, look, we survive having birth and then we think, oh, that was easy. I'll do it again. No matter what the experience, <laughs> the human race would not go on unless we were able to adapt and, you know, raise a child to a certain degree and then want to have another one. And then, you know, my husband said, of course, those are like chemical in your brain that makes you have the amnesia of what actually happened. And, but you, you live through it in order to say, yeah, okay, well, let's do this again. And then what's great is that you're at a different point in your life. You have different choices. You've learned so much. I mean, especially with you, with your second one, I mean, it just gave you a whole new perspective, what to yeah. do, what not to do, and what you felt comfortable with, you know, in the moment that you were being asked, you know, to do whatever it was, so whatever testing. Exactly. That's so true. I mean, there was so much mm -hmm. with my second that I changed my mind about that I, I no longer wanted to do, or, you know, I, I changed where I wanted to birth. I definitely wanted to be at home. and all of that was just really empowering in the end. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about your journey, about the journey of having a child in general, conception, I mean, anything with the knowledge that you have, the wisdom, your experience that you want to leave listeners with? Uh, yes. I think one of the hardest things to navigate can be like knowing when there's an end in sight, especially when you're having health problems or infertility or whatever it might be, but just holding on to hope no matter what, that there's an end in sight and that something positive is going to come out of this waiting journey and to just stay along for the ride, not lose hope because, you know, losing hope or giving up on being a parent or, um, you know, stop seeking, stopping seeking for those answers is really a way in which we sabotage our own efforts. And none of us want to do that. I mean, the behavior's there for such a great reason to protect us from heartache, whatever it might be, but to just keep going, keep waiting patiently because the payoff can be so beautiful. That was beautiful, what you just said. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That was absolutely beautiful. And I would love for our listeners to know how to connect with you. What would you like to 
offer them? I believe it was a free consultation or exploration with you. Share a little bit about that before we jump off. Yeah, I would love to answer any questions anyone has or just hear your story, hear your journey, um, exactly what you're going through and see how I can really be a benefit to you and your family. I, I would love to work with everyone possible just to help find a customized plan that suits exactly what your body is asking for and, and what's best for you. So I can be found on Instagram at Hope Healing Fertility or um, my website is hopehealingfertility.com and people can connect with me there. I have little chat boxes that'll pop up that you can chat with me live um, and then my phone number and everything is on there as well if you want to give me a call. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michaela. It was just absolutely beautiful and such a joy to have you on the podcast today and I learned so much and it was wonderful just to connect with our birthing stories. I think that that's so healing for people to hear and your message of hope, like I said, is absolutely beautiful. We all need to hear that. So thank you again for your time and your wisdom and your heart today. It was just such a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and I uh, really look forward to future connection. Absolutely. Awesome, Michaela. Have a great rest of your day. We'll check in soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.